0: Hello everyone, I'm Laura Dierda, Vice President and Editor-in-Chief at Becker's Healthcare. Thank you for tuning in to the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. Today I'm pleased to be joined by our guests as we discuss the role of scheduling in defining a lead customer experience. Before we begin, I am pleased to introduce today's speakers, David Dyke, Chief Product Officer at Relation and Arun Mahone, President of Relation. David and Arun, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Great to be here. Thank you for having us
0: now i know we've got a lot to talk about so let's dive right in what are the big pain points in the patient scheduling today
1: yeah thanks lauren maybe i can kick us off and uh, david can uh, can can chime in i think anyone who's tried to schedule an appointment knows how hard it is you've got to find a number you've got to call it stay on hold for a while once you get through it's almost inevitable that you're not going to find the availability that you need or a location that's gonna be convenient for you. What people may not know is how hard it is for doctors and medical groups. Uh, And the challenge is that not all doctors are created equal. And so for example, I'm an internal medicine physician. So there are certain things that I have expertise in and a lot of things that I don't. Similarly, there are gonna be different workflows that physicians have for different days, different administrative rules. And balancing all these is a really complex problem. Uh, people often say, hey, can't this be like open table? And that's certainly the vision. The goal is to make it really easy. The challenge is that you've got to simplify a lot of the underlying workflows and operations in order to make that possible. Uh, and so that's really the the, the major pain point scheduling today. The second piece that uh, I think people will resonate with, will resonate with people is really around availability. And that's that you know, we're in the middle of a of a a provider shortage, uh, physician other providers. Uh, availability for many providers is out, booked out many, many weeks. And so health systems provider groups have to do a lot to figure out how do they maximize availability. And the good news here is that that availability exists. Uh, it's really a matter of figuring out how to unearth it uh, through a combination of people, process, and technology.
2: Yeah, And I, those are great points, Arun. I, I would add in you know, one of the things that we're hearing uh, very often from customers and folks who are looking to really find new ways to do familiar things, as we like to think about it, is the just staffing shortages um, on their administrative and and patient facing side, as well as turnover. And when you have something that's really complicated, like scheduling, it's got a very traditionally a very steep learning curve, learning the locations, learning those rules. Uh, There's generally a physical binder often or SharePoint sites that you know, have all of those kind of documents and rules that are continuously being updated. So one of the challenges that folks are often looking for is how do they create the tools and technology to um, help their newest scheduler be as effective as their most senior schedulers. And, and that's why I think the potential of uh, tools like online scheduling tools uh, can deliver.
0: That's really great to know. And how can creating a digital patient journey ease the burden of scheduling on providers and staff?
2: Yeah, I think the, I'll, I'll take a step at this one. The, when you think about deploying an online scheduling solution, for example, um, that is makes a meaningful and positive impact, right, on providers and staff, meaning it's more efficient, it's more effective, it doesn't create more work than it avoids. That's really hard. So I think it's important to just start with that. That is um, as As Arun mentioned, there are um, years and years of lessons learned and best practices and operational objectives that are woven into those guidelines and those rules for scheduling. Um, so matching the right patient to the right provider at the right location for the right reason, the right level of care. Um, it sounds like it's a relatively straightforward permutation, but to kind of piggyback on the Example that we hear a lot. This should be as easy as open table, as Arun said. I I like to say, if, if open table required you to know if you've been to the restaurant before, who was your server last time, what did you have to eat, and how did what did you think of it before you could schedule your next you know meal. That's the kind of reality that healthcare operates in. That is very different from those other experiences that we have in our modern lives. And so, we're really trying to help our customers deliver tools that are either internal facing and or patient facing, how those things work together and are continuously and, and always in sync um, so that we can deliver the right balance between precision scheduling and patient-friendly scheduling. Uh, and that's a that's a tough thing. That's really, I think, what we think of as our North Star and, and how do we how we do that and, and how we enable providers to do that for their customers, their patients is really one of the things that is one of the things that drives us every day to to do our best.
1: Yeah, David, and I think just to build on the open table analogy for a moment, uh, you know, to uh, imagine if you could only sit in certain tables based on what you wanted to eat and how you could pay for the trip. Uh, And that's really what we have in healthcare. Now, the good news is I think you only have to look as far as other industries to see that the impact that you have uh, and you can have on patients and providers. And so take airlines, for example, Uh, I think some of us may remember a time you had to call to do anything with your reservation And now what's reserved for the phone calls are really complex activities uh, that are administrative or or clerical in nature and what that allows is the airline a to deliver much more robust uh, consumer experiences but b it makes it much easier from a staffing perspective and that's really the promise of these digital patient journeys is that you can get to the point where you're operating like much of the world does today but again, to echo David's point, it requires a lot of work on people process technology. It's not as simple as, uh, as adding a digital layer on top of what you already do.
0: That's really helpful to know and understand. And when you think about this process, what do patients think of self-scheduling? How can health systems make it easier for them?
2: Um, we're actually doing a survey on this right now uh, for across the country. And the overwhelming response is that they love it patients love self-scheduling when it works. And when we define works, right, and you put yourself into the shoes of of the shopper or the consumer um, well before they become a patient, in many cases, it's important to kind of focus on what matters to them. It it has to be easy, right? It has to ask you for things that are readily known, who you are, why you wanna go, when and where, right? If you start asking secondary, tertiary, uh, additional questions or gating we see a really significant drop-off point and so i think the the part of these solutions that can help drive that conversion rate and make it easy for patients of all skill levels to be able to accomplish them is um, to focus on the things that matter most to allow a patient to confer have a booked confirm to use arun's analogy seat on the plane but then Allow me to, in due time, or as a follow-up to that, start to provide that additional information that healthcare requires, over and above what you know, open table and those sorts of things require for the, as we've used in our combination of metaphors. So, um, the other big one that is more than just about how the tools work and if they're easy is having availability, and a, an organization that is putting out online scheduling. But then has such restrictive rules, if you will, restrictive covenants that there's little to no availability um, might actually be creating more harm than good. Uh, so it's about having that right balance, as we've said a couple of times, between the, the ease of use, the and having good availability. How do we help, how do tools like this help an organization maximize their capacity? How do we steer the patients to the right level of care? Um, maybe it's a physician, maybe it's a, a PA who can be their first line of contact. Uh, if it's a follow-up appointment, then it's probably more appropriate to steer you down the path of a, um, of a physician assistant or um, licensed practitioner along those way, along those lines as opposed to you know seeing the physician again uh, for a post-op immediately. So, you know, understanding those nuances and, and making sure that those tools can be done easily and reliably, is much more effective for patients, and one of the things that we've seen the most I'll call negative feedback around is tools that are schedule request solutions rather than scheduling solutions. So a request is sort of a fire off into the into the dark where I've sent a request through a form, which isn't much different than leaving a voicemail, you know, for somebody. Um, so people want the tool to work and and come back with a confirmed seat um, and an appointment that's going to work when they get there.
1: Yeah, I think the, what I would add to that is provider groups have to move away from thinking about patient self-scheduling as something that just exists on the website. The real secret sauce here is that you've got to integrate that digital experience into every activity, communication, scheduling, referral management, intake, and you have to tie these things together in order to create a cohesive experience. Um, so it can't just be something that you go online and you try to book the appointment. How do you bring that? How do you deliver that opportunity across multiple channels and workflows? And when you do that, that's really when you can start to move the needle on the volume of patients that are using these tools.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I think when we think about real examples of that is having self-service scheduling or, or downstream steps like checking on your website is great for patients who um, and folks who have found you through those tools. But if you're making outreach to existing patients to come in for you know, recurring care, maybe there's high risk populations or, or folks in an accountable care type of a model where you need to be really prompting them and steering them to um, activate, right? How can you schedule your appointment to come in for your tests, which are you know, not yet overdue, but we're, we're getting close, right? And using scheduling, not as just a, a landing pad, but as a way to draw people back into the organization.
0: That's a really great point. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Now, before we wrap up our discussion, where do you see the biggest opportunities for health systems to improve the digital patient journey?
1: Yeah, I think there are two things. And, you know, I think we've we've touched on both the, of both them briefly. Uh, but number one, they have to focus on access. And so when you survey consumers, uh, one of the most important considerations in how you select your provider is uh, is convenience and availability. Eighty uh, percent plus of patients say that's one of the most important factors. And so the question for uh, for provider groups is, how do you do that? And the answer is, you know, is is uh, multifaceted. But number one, it involves uh, having the systems in place to govern decision making. Number two, it involves things like changing how you manage templates uh, so that you're not. Uh, having overly restricted templates, but you're not having completely open templates where uh, any patient can book at any time. Uh, there's a balance here where you can actually surface serve up really convenient availability for patients, and at the same time, give providers what they need in terms of their workflow and ability to focus on things that they actually do. Uh, the second thing, again, is, is integrating these things into every activity. Uh, so a good, you know, a good uh, example of this is uh, kind of uh, recall management or pop health outreach. Uh, historically, the way these have operated is, if let's say you're due for uh, you know, an annual uh, visit, you might get an email or a text message from, uh, from a health system saying, hey, you're due for the service. And then what happens is you're now forced to f- make a phone call and, uh, and try to get through and make that appointment. Imagine if rather than that experience, you could click on a unique link, it identified exactly who you were, you put in a one-time password, you maybe got in your phone, and you're off the races in terms of booking that appointment. That's really kind of the, the opportunity here, uh, but it takes it takes a lot of hard work both in terms of governance and operations in order to get there. Um, and uh, it's, it's the kind of work that we get really excited about.
2: Yeah, I think you hit on a couple of, of really great ones, Arun. I, the thing I might add to that is, if you're not already looking at and thinking about online scheduling because you think it's too hard, too complicated, um, it's too impossible of a task to do internally, how how could we ever expose our patients to this directly is to start smart, right? Start small maybe, you know, think about um, is there a specific target you wanna use? Maybe it's new patient, new visit, new appointment, right? Maybe it's more targeted, as Arun mentioned, to at-risk populations, and you're using it as a way to draw people in in what I like to call an express checkout kind of use case. Um, maybe it's things that are really high volume and low variability in their types of service, um, diagnostics and and things like that. Things where you may be able to have the test done after an order at any of 50 locations in your in your metro area. Um, we're not we don't really care which one you go to as long as you go. Right? So. I think really try to understand those use cases within their organization that would have high return and then and and i think arun uh, really like how you said this earlier think beyond the schedule right think about those all those things that it it takes for a patient to be ready when they arrive and um so how do we start to collect the information that matters um, and be really diligent about making a decision on if we Make that a required field, say, during scheduling versus something that we prompt for after the fact. So um, I think orienting towards what customers want is always a great place to start uh, for folks who are um, trying to do something new. So I would say talk to your patients, find out what matters to them, um, and um, do more of that.
1: That's right. I mean, I think too often in the in the provider group world, the digital patient journey is fundamentally different from the analog patient journey. And I, I think the you know an opportunity for health systems is bridging that gap. So it's really just everyone's reading from the same sheet of music. The other thing I think a lot of health systems have experienced is I think many have started the process of opening up self-scheduling uh, to their primary care providers. And I think where it's been challenging is how do they expand these now to specialty practices and uh, providers with even more um, uh, levels of, exp- you know, varying degrees of expertise, uh, and that's where I, I think, uh, you know, a, a lot of the, the, the work needs to be done to figure out how do you govern and uh, can manage those rollouts, but then also how do you make sure you have the tools that will enable providers to, to have some control over how they operate so they can deliver, uh, they can be, you know, practice up a license and deliver the highest quality care to patients.
0: Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. David, Arun, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up today?
2: Just appreciate the opportunity. We, we love your work and um, thanks for having us.
1: Yeah, Laura, I, I would just echo that. Thank you again for, for the chance to be here um, and uh, great to be here.
0: Thank you, David and Arun, for your time and your thought-provoking responses today. We also want to thank our podcast sponsor, Relationed. You can tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page at beckershospitalreview.com podcasts.